you go follow me on Instagram, you can see how round my daughter is. She is like the moon, <laughs> but soft. That's how we're going to start the podcast. I'm going <laughs> to... Welcome to The Disability Track, a podcast that explores the lives of those with disabilities and long-term health conditions in the UK. Hello and welcome to The Disability Track, episode four. <laughs> Why did that sound like the introduction to like, did you ever take languages at school and the listening exam? Oh my <laughs> god. <laughs> Hello and welcome. No, I can't. I'm fucking useless. Hello and welcome to the Disability Track, episode four. We're on Radio 4 now. <laughs> Look, I haven't been here for two episodes. I've got to make up for it somehow. Okay. Hello and welcome to the Disability Wait, Track episode, episode 4. Wait, oh, no, it is episode 4, don't worry. It's, it is episode 4. <laughs> Shh, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, and Steph is back. If <laughs> you couldn't tell. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I kind of like fell off the face of the earth. <laughs> <laughs> the important thing is you're back. So what have you been up to, you know, update us? Well, because I literally just looked at my phone. The last recording was the 6th of October. Since then, no I've way. been to Berlin and America <laughs> and come back. This is worldwide. I know, right? <laughs> um, it's because I'm a Sagittarius, so I just really love travelling. What about you? What have you been up to, apart from having your insides cut into? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I had an operation. <laughs> I had an operation at the start of January and just got back to Norwich, back to work. So slowly getting things started again, getting the ball moving and recording. So yeah, happy to be back. I'm happy to have you back, darling. Okay, so our first article is a BuzzFeed article titled This student waited more than three months for a reply from campus mental health services. So BuzzFeed found a tweet from Jemima Pedgden, who's 21, and she goes to De Montford Uni in Leicester. She previously left two unis before and had transferred to De Montford. She contacted her uni mental health services on arrival, and they took three months to answer. During that time, her anxiety got worse. She struggled to go to classes. She even like struggled to open emails. And one thing she says in this article is, you're aware that people who don't have anxiety don't understand and find it very difficult to understand what it's like because they think, just get over it. And it feels that's reflected by the university. The Montford are saying that it's exceptionally rare for students to encounter problems with its services and they can't comment on individual cases. Now, I've heard a lot of these complaints from uni students all over Twitter, Facebook, articles. My personal experiences, so I went to UEA, me and Steph both went to the University of East Anglia. My personal experience was the response time was good, but the counselling wasn't. It just really wasn't effective at all, and a couple of my friends said the same thing. Steph, I don't know, what was what was your experience? Because I know you had counselling, right? I had counselling as well, and they're trying their best but the thing is it's like counseling for like a lot of students just isn't enough um i actually had to reset my final year of university due to mental health reasons and i feel like they should the thing is is when you have a mental illness it's very difficult to refer yourself to get help yeah um and i feel like a lot of the things that i was going through should have been picked up on Okay, um, by the people that are there to do that, like your super, you know, your supervisor, your um, personal tutor. Yeah, I was never really told like, oh, you should go to this for help. You should do this. Like it was just kind of like, oh, you have anxiety. 
Yeah, I was going to say, in this article, it says that Jemima had to leave two universities previously because of the way they dealt with her mental health issues just wasn't good enough. It's really, really saddening. That's an age and a stage where a lot of people on, like have conditions like anxiety and depression. Well, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if someone told me that we're at like record numbers of students mm. with anxiety and depression because like, yeah. pretty much every friend I have has at least one of them, yeah, if not both. I, I don't know if it's because of society's got better at diagnosing it or there's just more and more pressure on students nowadays. I think it's both. Do you think? Yeah, I think it's a combo of both, honestly. And also the pressure of knowing that you've paid nine grand to be at uni. I feel like there's a pressure, like, I've got to make it worth it, I've got to do really, really well, as opposed to people who make, who are going to uni for free or for three grand. Well, I think the other thing is also, like, you're coming out of that degree knowing that you have to do really well in it for it to be worth anything. Like, you can do a lot with, like, a third degree. I mean, back when my dad went to university... Um, when dinosaurs were still lecturing and you didn't have to pay tuition <laughs> fees. Like, you just, if you had a degree, you were automatically, like, kind of guaranteed to have a slightly better chance than getting jobs. Whereas now, like, you have to get a degree to even be on the same kind of um, level as everyone else. I mean, I work at, I'm a full-time barista in a cafe and four of us have degrees out of eight staff. <laughs> yeah, it's the same as like, when I worked in retail, there was, like, most people had degrees. You just can't use them and I think that's a lot of pressure. And it's a mm. lot to know that when you leave, no matter how hard you've worked, you might not be able to use it. Yeah, exactly. It's a pretty depressing world to come out into. Mm-hmm. Like, because my dad was like, oh, it wasn't easy for me either. And I was like, well, you didn't have to pay for your tuition. Uh, you lived at home <laughs> when you went to uni. And uh, you were in two houses by the age of 29. Like, <laughs> oh, that's balling. Oh, he was. He lives with his mum now. But. <laughs> <laughs> And suddenly I'm the one. I make the most money in my family. So. But it's very, it's just, it's just depressing. Like, if you didn't have depression going in, you've got it coming out. My second article is from ABC, the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. And the title is Clothing Labels for People with Disabilities Offer Much Needed Comfort and Dignity. So basically it's about how there's a lack of brands making inclusive and adaptive clothing. And it centres on Trish Jackson, who is a thalidomide survivor. Now, thalidomide was quite popular in the 50s and 60s. It was used to alleviate morning sickness. However, a lot of mothers that were using thalidomide found that their babies were being born with limb differences. And when doctors and researchers found that that was happening on a worldwide scale, then it was quickly taken off the market. But by then, it was too late. Then a lot of babies like Trish were born without limbs. Trish specifically was born without arms. And her mum used to make her clothing for her because of, they couldn't go to dressmakers. Dressmakers would get scared or they would charge prices that were way too high. So the solution to this is adaptive clothing. That's what the article suggests. And they say that adaptive clothing is a specialised class of garment designed for people with disabilities who find it difficult to dress independently, as well as for the elderly, infants, people with medical devices or people sensitive to certain textiles and materials. Now, adaptive clothing Now, adaptive clothing often replaces buttons and zippers for Velcro or magnets. One of the brands that do this is a brand called Timeless. Also, Tommy Hilfiger were the first mainstream label to make adaptive clothing for kids. In the UK, we have Kintsuki Clothing, which was founded by Emma McLeland from Manchester. We also have Adapt to Wear, Able to Wear, and last year, Marks and Spencers launched an adaptive clothing line for kids. I don't know if you saw Steph, 
the ASOS wheelchair-friendly jumpsuit that went viral recently. No, I didn't see that. So Chloe Ball Hopkins, a journalist, went to ASOS and said, look, I'm a wheelchair user and, you know, there's not much on your site for me. So they collaborated with her and came up with this really cool jumpsuit. It's like colourful, really funky, really nice material. And they let her model it as well. Images of her modelling it went viral. Yeah, no, that sounds really good. That's cool. So yeah, definitely check out these brands. We'll link to them in the show notes. This month's interview is with Laura James, a columnist, journalist and author. Laura's most recent book is Odd Girl Out, a memoir reflecting on Laura's late autism diagnosis. Laura is also a dogged autism awareness campaigner. Me and Steph grabbed a coffee with Laura to find out what it's like to get diagnosed with autism in your late 40s. We read that you were diagnosed with autism when you were 45. Mm. So how come you were diagnosed so late in life? Well, I think that... It's really, really common for women and girls to be misdiagnosed a number of times before they're actually diagnosed with autism. So often they get diagnosed with bipolar disorder, borderline personality disorder, often OCD, or sometimes oppositional defiant disorder, although that's more kind of more seen as a male thing. And I think it's because there's such stereotypes around autism that even GPs and health professionals don't necessarily recognise it when they see it in a girl. Because when girls have, I don't know, for example, special interests, they tend to be the same special interests as their friends, as their neurotypical peers. So they might be interested in a boy band or hair and makeup or a certain kind of a certain kind of book or an author or something. So they might be really into Harry Potter, say. Whereas their friends kind of read the books and love them, probably reread them and have some of the merchandise, an autistic girl will know every single Harry Potter fact there is to know. And she will have learned everything. And she, if she collects around it, she will have collected everything possible. And it, it's her whole world. It's, you know, it can be how she makes her friends, how she, how she navigates her life. Whereas with a neurotypical girl or a non autistic girl, it might be that Harry Potter is one of her interests, but she also likes dancing or something else as well. Yeah. And everything's a little more kind of balanced out. Yeah. Okay. Talking about that, my friend in the last month or so, she's just been diagnosed with autism. She had the same issue where it wasn't picked up on, but once it was picked up on, it was so obvious. Yeah, it becomes, I think that's exactly what happens. And also, lots of autistic girls have EDS as well which is a connective tissue disorder and it can affect your whole body because you have faulty collagen and collagen is kind of in every part of your body so it's in your skin, it's in your joints, it's, um, it's everywhere and so consequently a girl, her mother might take her to the doctor time and time again and each time she goes to something different it might be a stomach problem, she might have a problem with a pain in her knee her elbow might hurt, she might have um, terrible problem with her skin it could be all sorts of things and so then it starts to look like um, either the child or the mother are kind of making more of it, or it's kind of a hypochondriacal thing, or a munchausen thing. And then when you add kind of autism, and often which often comes with ADHD and other conditions, when you add all of that into the mix, GPs just kind of don't necessarily know how to deal with it or believe it. So I was misdiagnosed. I was never misdiagnosed with a psychiatric condition, although everybody thought that I was anxious. But I was diagnosed with something called hyperventilation syndrome, 
and I was prescribed drugs for it, which, and I was probably about 19 or 20 at the time, and I didn't realise the drugs I was taking were highly addictive tranquilizers. So I ended up in rehab before I was 23, just through being misdiagnosed. So I think it's really important that that girls aren't missed because it can have devastating effects on your life. What's your opinion on media depictions of autism? I think it's getting better, but I think it's happening very slowly. So I do think we see more autistic women and girls in the media now than we did before. But I think I'd like to see, I can see why it's attractive, to, as a writer I can see why it's attractive to write an autistic character. And I can see why people go down the stereotypical route because it makes it, it kind of you know, it makes for a narrative. But I think that it's not very helpful to the community. And I also find it I find it tricky when a neurotypical author will write a book with a main autistic character or a play or whatever and not involve and not in, not, not towards any autistic people. It, I mean, it, I it just seems it seems it's not even necessarily an appropriation thing. It's more that how can you not research your subject? You know, how can you not talk to people who experience what you're writing about day in day out? Surely that's the easiest way to make it an authentic piece of work. Exactly, exactly. And so, yeah, I would like to see more. I'd like to see more girls and women. I did a lot of TV around the launch of my book, and I had lots of girls and moms messaging me saying it is the first time I have seen like someone like myself represented. And I think I think representation is really important. Yeah. But I also think it goes further than that, you know. I I think that we need to see more diversity within the way that autism is represented, not just about it being women and girls, but there are lots of trans people who are autistic, there are lots of people of colour, there are lots of people that we just don't see often have other disabilities and and we don't see we don't see enough of that kind of diverse range of people. Um, do you, could you recommend any books or films or TV programs that you felt were particularly good at representing autism? It's a very good question. There's a book called State of Grace, which is by Rachel Lucas, who is an author who is autistic, and it's a young adult novel, and it's really, really good. Okay. I, I really like it. There's a book by someone called Catherine May called The... Oh my goodness, I can't remember what it's called. Um, the Electricity of Every Living Thing, I think. Okay. And I haven't read it yet, but it's on my to read pile, and that's a memoir about a late diagnosis. So I don't know how similar her story is to mine. Yeah. But, but her story is about kind of walking and coming to terms with her diagnosis, and I think it, it sounds kind of really interesting. So I'm dying to read that. I quite like the A word on TV. I know that people have problems with it, but I think I've got to the age where I'm a realist, and and there is no perfection out there, so you have to kind of take the good bits where you can find them, and there's a lot about the A word that I really like. So uh, now we're going to talk about our pop culture segment which I just, <laughs> daily does all the serious stuff, and I'm like, yes, let's talk about Sesame Street. Pop culture's important. Sesame I, Street is so important. Yeah. No, I I think it's, I find it really interesting personally, but then I, I did a degree that we've already discussed is completely useless in it. Yeah, so because of the interview that we did with Laura James, which I found really interesting, because I know, I before the interview, I knew nothing about autism. I was actually quite, annoyed at myself with how little I knew turns out actually 
two of my friends were diagnosed with autism as adults and they're both women Mm -hmm. and so I messaged one of them and I asked her like I want to do about women with autism in media and she sent me a few links so I've picked it's season two episode 15 of Girl Meets World the Disney show so the basic premise of this episode is there is a character and he does really well in a test And then they're like, actually, we want to test you for autism. They're discussing it and they're like, no, you're normal, you're fine. And then there's this character that looks very visibly awkward. A female character, then she actually talks about the fact that she's been diagnosed with autism since she was five. And she was worried about how she she wants to be normal. She wants to be seen as normal, so she doesn't really talk about it. So that's that one. And then I also wanted to do basically just kind of kids shows in general, because I find that they're really interesting the way that they address topics because they have to do it in an easily relatable way because you can't just go to a five-year-old like yes here is this journal article on you know asperger syndrome and why asperger was actually kind of sexist (laughs) you can't do that to a kid so the second one was i remember this one coming out actually here's some more paper guys Oh, hey! Welcome to Sesame Street. We are having some fun with finger paints. Hi, guys. Hi, Elmo. Hi, Abby. Hi, Elmo. Oh, who's this? Oh, this is our friend, Julia. Oh, hi, Julia. I'm Big Bird. Nice to meet you. Oh, Julia? Uh, Julia's just concentrating on her painting right now. You guys, you're all doing a great job. Sesame Street introduced an autistic character called Julia. Uh, I watched quite a few clips with her in, actually. So I watched her, like, introductory episode. But then I watched extra clips with her in, and I just kind of fell in love with her. Oh, I love Julia. She's so sweet. (laughs) When she flaps. Yeah, she she does. It's quite a classic autistic thing, from what I believe, is the arm flapping and not liking the loud noises and certain, like, they say... She doesn't like finger painting because she doesn't like the finger of the paint in between her fingers, which is classic kind of autism sensory stuff. And I just thought it was really interesting the way that they communicated it and the fact that it was actually the kids that understood it. They were like, Julia likes this. Julia doesn't like that. Oh, it's okay. If you do that, she'll calm down in a bit. Whereas Big Bird is just like going and screaming, like terrifying this poor toddler. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He just sounded bored the entire time. Like, because they were showing off their paintings and Elmo sucked. Wow. (laughs) You should never, you should never want to expect of children's paintings. And then Julia just picks up this like fantastic painting that I, as an adult, would not be able to like even (laughs) come close to recreating. And then Big Bird just goes, Wow, that's great, Julia. <laughs> and I'm like, do you just not want to be here? Yeah, I'd like to see your paintings, Big Bird. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so <laughs> I made you watch those. Uh, I want to know your opinion. So with Girl Meets World, I had never heard of it before. So I was going in blind. I didn't know what to expect at all. I'd heard of it, but I'd never seen anything from it. Oh, okay. It wasn't until my know... friend Saf told me about it. I was really pleasantly surprised. I thought it was really sweet. And I love the fact that it wasn't a sob story for either... Is it... What's his name? Farkle? Farkle and Smackle, I think their names Smackle. are. <laughs> yeah. Those came from. <laughs> yeah, neither do I. Um, Farkle and Smackle, yeah. It wasn't a sob story for either of them. And they also had really supportive friends who weren't always right. <laughs> 
All right, this website lists symptoms of Asperger's. Uh, the first one they mention is social awkwardness. Check. You don't do anything awkward. <laughs> well, that's just something you do when you're going to stop doing that. He's going to stop doing that. Narrowed interests. Going on about a subject even if the people he's talking to don't have a shared interest. Check. Sparkle, we're interested in everything you're interested in. Belgium 1831. Stop doing that. He's going to stop doing that. Guys, whatever this is, I got it. And I need you to let that be okay. The teenagers, like, it's a very difficult thing to understand. My friend Saf that recommended it to me, because she's an adult with autism. She was diagnosed with it as an adult as well. And she said the way it looks at the whole concept of disclosing your neurodivergency, like whether it's owed or whether it's a personal thing. Mm. She also said it's also not a white female character, which is not, so like, I believe, I was just looking it up and then my internet died. I believe she might be Hispanic. We can find out. But um, she also said about Julia, she said that she loves Julia. She thinks she's great. And she thinks it is interesting. Those two are interesting areas of the Venn diagram that is being autistic because Julia is more obviously, that's quotation marks. I did them in real life for some reason. More obviously autistic, but Smackle is having real trouble because she's coping with it as an invisible disability. People have different traits and issues, but with equal importance, etc., etc. Yeah, but I don't know. I just found it really interesting because, like, since doing that interview with Laura, I'm now kind of like noticing it a lot more. Yeah. In shows and like even like people in real life, I'm like, oh, okay, I can see those traits now. I liked those two ones. Yeah. Who re was that Saf you said recommended them? Saf, yeah. My cool. friend Saf. She's Saf. really cool. I love Saf. Shout out to Saf. And also Saren, her dog. She's great. Shout out uh, to Saf's I only talked to her for the dog. <laughs> okay. And for good recommendations. Yes. She's, she's actually really good for media recommendations. She actually recommended me Laura's book. And I was like, uh, ah, funny bit. there you go. Yeah, she loves it. She said that it like kind of helped her through her own diagnosis. I should have mentioned that. Yeah, you probably should have. That would have been, been, been an amazing link. Like, when we did the interview, which was in all oh, ages ago. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, this would be a good point to wrap it up. Yes, otherwise I won't stop talking. <laughs> yeah. Alright, so thanks for listening and thanks for sticking with us again. And we'll be back next time, next month. Hopefully. <laughs> hey, I think we will look, be back. I think that it was always cursed with two people with a dos da 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 da. Two people with disabilities trying to make a podcast and meet up once a month. It was just yeah. a terrible idea. No, it's fine. It's just realistic. Yeah. <laughs> like, you go in for surgery, I go into my little hobbit hole and don't, yeah. like, I crawl out every two months to reply to a text message and go back in. You make it uh, work. Yeah, no, it works. Cool. Right, so Steph, what are your social media handles? My Twitter is at StephaCakes93. That's, like, Jaffa Cakes, but with more of me and also my birth year. Um, and then my Instagram is Steph Wilderspin. That's my name. Cool. My Twitter is FKA underscore Chibs. And I think that's my Instagram as well. And the... Wait, you have an Instagram now? Yeah, I follow you. Oh, I don't know. I don't oh, I don't yeah, go I onto social media like, oh, share your social media handles. I'm like, I haven't seen a phone since 1982. I posted for the first time in three months and it was just a picture of my hamster being round. It's a really, really small one. Right? Yeah, she's a little dwarf hamster. She's yeah. a Russian dwarf. Yeah, I've seen it all. 
If you go follow me on Instagram, you can see how round my daughter is. She is like the moon, but soft. <laughs> That's how we're going to start the podcast. I'm going <laughs> to. And the podcast main account is at disability t, which is spelled with two s's. So yeah, thanks for listening and rate and review us. Like, comment, and subscribe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Some things never change. <laughs> Outro music. <laughs>